Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for another day. Thank you for life. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for allowing us to have somewhere to lay our heads, to stay out of the storms and different things that we experience with the weather, being able to have food to eat. Even though some of us may be challenged in different areas of our life, you're still faithful. You're still, you're, you still called us to do your will, to walk according to your truth. Holy Spirit, lead these, this message today, these words, that they will break down the lies of the enemy will build up the church, the people, the body of Christ, and that we will walk according to your truth and not according to anything that is contrary. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're going to talk about one of the biggest topics in churches today is why we can't reach the younger people, why we can't reach the youth, the young adults. The reason why, and then we're also going to talk about how we can make it happen. You know, I was looking at a, a a research article that was done in 2019. One of these uh, bigger researchers that are kind of they're known for doing church statistics, looking to see what it is that you know the trendings and the statistics of what's happening in our uh, American churches today. And what I found when it come when it came to the youth, uh, they said that uh, you know four out of ten pastors were more concerned about being able to reach them. You know, they said this generation Z or the millennials or the generation Y, it's like it's such a struggle to reach them. And one of the pastors who they uh, interviewed said that they're actually going to create a pre-discipleship program, basically instilling the ideas of truth and authority uh, where where many lack the truth of the basic concepts. Because what they say they have found was that uh, many Young people today don't trust the authority of the scripture. Uh, they say this, you know, they, have, they don't have a firm belief that it's true. Uh, and they believe that has something to do with being a disciple, like the disciples who come out and, and disciple the younger people, the uh, youth ministers that, you know, they, there's, there's, there's something that's not being done correctly in order to help them understand the truth. And said so for some pastors, you know, they're, they're rethinking their own formative years, basically how they grew up in church, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and what they can do today uh, to help reach the younger generation, reach the next crowd, you know, and there are several statistics that they gave that made you think about how churches operate today and why they can't uh, reach the youth. Um, A lot of the kids today believe that, you know, the Bible's teaching is based on their own personal convictions. You know, and even science, too. They feel like there's a scientific answer for scripture. So they therefore uh, they don't necessarily have to believe in scripture. You know, and that is quite interesting because, you know, when I was in the youth ministry dealing with some of these church institutions, a lot of their responses were consistent with some of the questions I would ask them about the Bible. They have these different theories or they have uh, different understandings or their own ideas about what's happening in the world. And uh, when you talk about what's happening in the scripture, they say, well, here's the answer based on some other, you know, scientist or some type of professor. And I was talking to a college student today, actually a young man that goes to Morehouse. And he was, I was talking about, he was talking about medicine. We're talking about, you know, the people trusted in medication and doctors and things like that. And he had directed me to this this professor at the university who has a YouTube channel 
who's basically explaining what he learned about God through medical science. And he kind of gave some brief descriptions and, and talks about the things as basically what, you know, he, his equivalence to God's understanding through what science has done. So when you look at this research, when I was looking at the research, it said that there's basically four ways to really reach the youth. You know, the, the four strategies to get to these young adults. And one of them was don't shy away from hard teachings. Basically, the stuff that you think that you will run a kid away from, uh, that you'll send them in another direction, said share those things because actually kids want to hear stuff like that. They want to hear the hard teachings. We just, for some reason, believe they don't, so we don't share it. Another one was to challenge them to read the scriptures, you know, get them excited or, you know, drive them into going to pick up the Bible for themselves. And uh, the third one they had was encourage their evangelistic passion. Basically, encourage them, drive them to go out and evangelize and be uh, witnesses about Jesus Christ. And then the fourth one was uh, give them someone to follow, you know, someone they can pattern their life after or to walk behind. And then obviously that would inspire them to be more like that individual. And I thought about these four things. I say, you know, all this actually makes pretty good sense, right? Why not uh, share the real truths in the Bible that may not, you know, be necessarily appealing to people and, you know, have them read the scripture for themselves. That makes all the sense in the world. Uh, you know, go out and, and, and witness, evangelize. And of course, you know, having someone in front of you leading you. Yeah, that that makes a lot of good sense. But the what I really what I really found to be true is that this is not what it takes to reach the youth. And I know that's probably doesn't sound um, you know, like it makes sense because you know, these four practical things seem to be applicable to, you know, anybody, not just youth or anybody. But, you know, I had an interesting conversation with a member of mine who t- is turning uh 60, I believe, in about six months. And she was telling me uh, something that her pastor had told her. She said, my pastor said, and I can't remember specifically what she said uh, that her pastor told her, but when she said the word pastor, it just kind of, you know, sent the light off in my head to ask her what church she went to. So she named a very prominent church out here in Georgia, in Atlanta. And I immediately knew we were going to have a conversation because I actually had attended that church. I didn't tell her this initially, um, and I was even a part of the youth ministry. So I kind of let her explain herself, and I even asked her why did she go and what did she get out of going. Um, and then we got into talking about how the pastor, based on what I have heard and experienced, preaches a gospel that is not aligned with the scripture. And she said she doesn't go there for the pastor. She go there for the gospel, for the truth. And that's exactly why we ought to go to church. If we go to church, we ought to go to hear what the word of God says and not so much the preacher. However, it is the preacher who delivers the word of God. It comes from the pulpit. And she told me that she, it made her want to study her word more and get into, uh, you know, what God wants her to do and all these um, inspirational and uh, motivating things that she was saying. And she even talked about how his last message was just so powerful. It was a very dynamic word. And I told her that what this preacher preaches is 
more about a feel-good message than a do-good message. And we kind of went back and forth. And it got to the point where I, I realized that what I was saying was not coming across. It wasn't reaching her. She said that once she turns, I think it was 66, she retires in 66 years. Or I mean, when she hits 66, she retire and will be able to finally get into the ministry full time, really get into it, really do what God has called her to do. And all of us, you know, for me, all of a sudden, I just thought that this conversation is exactly what the Bible had talked about as to why we cannot reach the youth. The, the truth is we are preaching to the youth, to the young adults, a gospel that was never designed to reach anybody. She even said for herself, she went into a uh, a store looking for some things to decorate her house for the current season. And she couldn't find it, but across the street, there was this Halloween shop. So she figured she'd go in there and definitely would find what she's looking for. She went in there and saw all these dead faces, all these people who just were caught in, up in the Halloween season and picking out gifts, the, the kids and the mom, and they're just all caught in this 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 custom that's been going on for centuries of, hey, let's celebrate Halloween because it's that time of the year. She says she noticed that, but didn't know how to actually reach the people that were in there. You know, because I even asked her, said, well, you know, your pastor's preaching, we got to reach the youth, we're losing them. What do we have to do? And she said, they don't know yet. They're looking for ways. They're looking for answers. And the truth is the answer is in the gospel. That's what it's in. It's not in these theories, these, you know, these statistical strategies or whatever people try to use science or, you know, trying to study the mind and behavior of these kids to see how we can actually change the gospel or, you know, create more energy or all these different uh, silly things the enemy tells us. We are living in the season, the prophetic season of what is actually happening to the youth. Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3. Then, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, we ask you not to be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or word or by letter, as if from us. As though the day of the Lord has come, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Paul said that in the last days, before, right before Jesus Christ come, there will be a falling away. What have people fallen away from? The true gospel. That's where, that's where the falling has occurred. We don't hear the true gospel anymore. When Paul wrote to Rome, when he wrote to Ephesus, uh, when he wrote to these different places, even Timothy, he didn't change the gospel. He didn't alter it. Timothy was a younger uh, version of him, if you will. He was his protege. He was coming up in the faith and, and Paul was preparing him to take over after his departure. He didn't create some enthusiastic, vibrant, colorful, exciting uh, teaching. He gave Timothy the truth, the hardcore, uncut truth. And because he gave him the truth, Timothy went on to be a disciple that is not was not only interested in the gospel, but he walked the gospel out. He didn't fall away. He didn't 
he wasn't someone that couldn't be reached and all these different things we hear about why we can't reach the youth. And I was talking to another young lady um, today, one of my members, and she was telling me how she went to a church and she's still trying to look for one. She's at one now and it's it seems to be okay. And it prompted me to ask her, has she been baptized yet? And she said, well, I was baptized when I was five. And I said, why were you baptized when you're five? And she said, well, that was just kind of the way things were. People got baptized. It was kind of a thing to do. So I went ahead and got baptized too. So we got into scripture and we talked about not just the current season of the end times, but the true gospel and how we ought to walk as witnesses. The, the power that comes by way of the Holy Spirit, discerning the truth, reading the word of God, knowing and understanding and carrying out what's written. And she had a very profound look on her face and told me it was a blessing that we were able to talk. And she said, do you have a business card or anything like that? You know, I shared the website that I had and that I have. And I told her, I said, listen, I said, it is important that you know the gospel, the truth. I said, you spent all these years church hopping, trying to figure out what's true, what's not true. And in the, the day, you walking in condemnation because you don't even understand I mean, truthfully, anything real about the gospel. Now, scriptures that I quoted, she they were coming to her memory, but how to apply them, how they apply to her life, what they truly meant had no weight. There was no uh, uh, understanding there. And that's because, again, there has been a falling away, not just a little falling away, a couple of churches acting up. Most church institutions do not preach the true gospel. They preach your blessing is coming. This is your season. God wants to do great things in your life. He wants to move your mountains. If you just speak to yourself, if you think better about yourself, all these things that you can't find nowhere in the Bible. And if it is a scripture, nine times out of 10, it's taken out of context to make someone feel good rather than do good. And that's where we're missing grabbing our youth. That's how we're missing grabbing those who are behind us. In Acts 1, verse 8, the Bible says that, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. One of the huge misunderstandings about witnessing for Jesus Christ is actually witnessing for Jesus Christ. Many have this misunderstanding that we are supposed to walk around and say, do you know Jesus? I bet you, if you just go out and find 10 people and say, do you know Jesus? Each one of them are going to tell you they've at least heard of him or they've been to church or yes, they know Jesus because his name is everywhere now. What his name represents is completely different in a lot of ways than what it truly is according to scripture. And the reason being is because we are truly not witnesses of Christ. To be a witness of Jesus is to be evidence is to be living proof. When you look at the writings from Peter, Jude, uh, Paul, and all, all those who helped establish the scriptures in the Bible, you will find that they talked about their walk with Jesus, what they saw, what they experienced, how they were redeemed, so that they can have proof to deliver to the people who they are writing that he is the Messiah. He is the the first and the last, he's coming back again. If all we do is get on a pulpit and talk about how good God wants to 
bless you and how wonderful he is. And then when it comes time to sharing any evidence, it's about something we heard somebody say about somebody else down the way. We're not reaching anybody like that because there's, it's not that there's no, that they don't believe the authenticity of scripture is that they don't believe the person who's presenting the scripture. I was blessed to have a summer camp at my gym as well as a couple other fall and a, and a spring camp. And at each of my camp, we had round circle discussions. We set up chairs and we talked. Most of my conversation was not about the Bible. There were instances in the scripture that I was able to bring out and apply to my life to show them proof of who Jesus Christ is. Like the time that I faced the 25 years in prison and how Jesus says what happens to you when you forgive, how you can be brought out of, I mean, you name it. Other things that I've dealt with, like when I had people coming after me, trying to get me fired, trying to kill me, all the different things I was enduring and how God showed up and became a protector and destroyed my enemies. You know, if we don't testify, if we don't have proof or we don't feel like we should share the proof or we hide behind it, we shrink back. We're not going to reach not only the youth, we're not going to reach anybody. We have to come out of this false gospel that's everywhere. And when I say everywhere, everywhere, I don't mean just on the obvious people who hit TBN and CBN and Oprah Winfrey's channel. I'm talking about these gospels that that are coming on this you got five churches on the same street and they're all preaching a gospel that has nothing to do with repentance. Why I've told I've told my own children and I tell kids I deal with at the gym uh, all the time and even kids in the community. I say you are responsible for for your own soul. Your parent can't pray you into heaven and they cannot pray you out of hell. If you don't repent and you keep letting the devil use you, it don't matter how many times you said Jesus, you're going to go to hell. And I tell them just like that. Not every time and not in every setting, but I tell them as clear as cut because at the end of the day, that's exactly how Jesus addressed his disciples. He didn't come in with this, this laughy, jokey, ha, 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 make you feel good, warm you up for the lie he's getting ready to tell you. He came to them with truth before he even gives the dramatic sequence of events that talked about the end times, the scary stuff that turns a lot of people away. The first thing he says is, let no one deceive you in Matthew chapter 24. He said, basically, don't walk around here blind and dumb. You've been taught. I've told you what's coming. You, you see me do these miracles. You saw me heal the dead, raise the sick. You saw me do all these things and don't let nobody fool you. False Christ and false prophets will come and they will deceive many. But again, that's not the gospel we hear. And we wonder why kids don't want to come to church. We say, well, you know, we need to add more basketball games or we need to put in more uh, pool tables or we need to do all these different things. End of the day, what they need in their soul is not being fed to them. It is the word of God that changes people. It is the life, it is the light of Christ, the salt of the earth, not the light of the world where we are bringing in rap artists for concerts to change our children. They're not doing it. You might as well let them go to the club. You know, I, I watched, I went to the church that this uh, member was talking about who was um, in her 60s. I've been, I watched this pastor's daughters take the stage. And both of them, as they're coming up, giving their announcement, had on clothes so tight that you can see their underwear lining on the stage. 
Now, how do you how do you justify that with the person who comes in the church that just left the strip club Saturday night? You can't. You can't tell them, hey, God wants to make you holy and righteous when you walking up to the podium, the pulpit with the same outfit they got on. Now, people say, well, that's too judgmental. And that's all this. We can't look like the world and act like the world and then still want the world to come change and be like Jesus Christ. That is speaking lies and hypocrisy, as the Bible tells us about. We have to be a difference. We have to come out of the world and speak the unadulterated truth about the word so that when its seed is planted, God can give the increase. He can't give the increase on a seed that, that, that has no truth, that has no life in it. This this the, this theological seed, this a higher thinking seed or this science seed or whatever these uh, enemy seeds that are planted, God doesn't increase that. And the Bible tells us in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, thank unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That is the church institutions we see today. Paul, when he preached the gospel, when he preached Christ, he preached repentance. When someone said, you know what? I've been convicted. I need to turn and I need to join the, the true body of believers. He took them to go be baptized. I don't know how many people I've talked to that said they were brought up in the church or they joined a church or visited a church and went down and said, you know, I want to repent. I want to receive salvation. And they walk out of the church and never get baptized. Six months later, 10 years later, or never get baptized. Yet Paul tells them that without being baptized, you can't do the work of God. You can't ha you can't walk in his calling. He Jesus Christ said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. One of the most broken doctrines now is people keep calling the Holy Spirit to come. They keep saying, come Holy Spirit, feel me, come Holy Spirit, have your way and all these different things. At the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is inside of every believer. He's not floating around out in the air, waiting on someone to grab him and pull him in for a meeting. The Holy Spirit came down from heaven fell on the, the, the disciples. And after that, their their job was to go baptize everyone else, transferring the Holy Spirit into every single believer who wants to come into the faith. That's how we get the Holy Spirit. But if they're not baptized, they have not the Holy Spirit. Therefore, why would they understand his word? Why would they want to keep coming to church? Why would they, why would they even care to truly believe what's being preached? Again, we've We've gotten away from the true gospel. And as challenging as that may seem, as tough it may be to accept, it is prophetic. This is not something that any one of us have created or anything the disciples had conjured up. This is not even something that Satan did. The Bible tells us that it had to happen. You know, I was getting frustrated uh, the other day dealing with just talking to people, showing them clearly the signs of the times, showing them clearly in scripture that Jesus Christ said, that if you don't overcome you being a dead church, he said he will blot your name out of the book of life. Clear. 
He says that if you don't take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. Yet through deception or deliberate disobedience, people say, well, that's not really true. We're all sealed and set up for heaven. Wait, 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 wait. So you're trying to tell me Jesus Christ wants you in heaven with him, yet you don't take up your cross? That's deception. But I was explaining this and it was getting to the point where I was frustrated. And the Holy Spirit told me very quietly it had to happen. And he said it had to happen so that prophecy could be fulfilled. And I drew back because I felt I knew I knew at that point I was trying to force my will. I was trying to force what I wanted to see, which was people change. I don't want to see you walk in condemnation. I, I, I was blessed by God in 2020 to come out of this lie, to see the truth in its totality and continue to get true understanding of scripture. And now I'm out doing the same thing. Every time God gives me a revelation or understanding or something truth about the word that I didn't have before, I make it known. But that was making it known at a point where I was like, well, how come you can't get it? When you see it, you say you've been baptized, you say you believe. He said it had to happen. There had to be a fall in the way or else the Bible would not be valid. The prophecies that were given could not be, would not be true. And people would not, they would have a legitimate way to say God was a liar or God's word isn't, isn't, cannot be upheld. But yet God continues to fulfill his truth and us who are on the front lines standing up for what's right, standing up for the true gospel have to recognize some will believe and some will not. It is what it is. But I still continue to share the gospel. I still continue to share the truth because end of the day, that is the seed planted. The gospel of repentance and remission of sins is the only true gospel that exists. There is no such thing about God wants to uh, bless you with a big house. He wants to do all these different things for you. No, he does not. He wants your obedience. He wants your servitude. He wants your heart. That's what he desires. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So when you seek him and you're going through a storm, you seek him and the enemy's coming after you. You seek him and you don't know how you're going to figure out to put one foot in the other, but you keep seeking him. And then he brings you out. He, he makes a way out of no way. He makes a way in the wilderness and the dry places. And then some young kid comes along that's going through all kind of problems that are they're suffering. They're being hit with things. And then we can pull them to the side and say, let me tell you about this situation that you're going through similar to what I went through. That's being a witness. That's testifying. That is the true gospel. But, you know, this whole, hey, you know, come on over to the youth program, the discipleship program, and we're going to strategize how we can, you know, figure out a more acceptable way to give kids the gospel, to give the young people the gospel. That's a lie in and of itself from the pits of hell. People are walking on their one breath from, from hell. And we're trying to flip the scriptures around because, you know, let's appease them a little bit. Let's make them feel good. This social gospel progressive Christianity is a complete deception. How do we invite people to church, invite them into the congregation, and we date them in the congregation for six months, for seven months, for 10 years, and then we drop the truth on them. Hey, listen, you know, if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. That's wrong. That That is that is the worst thing we can do as a follower of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to preach repentance and remission of sins immediately. 
right off the bat. There should never be a message where the gospel of repentance is not preached. I listened to, I, you know, I actually, the member who I was telling you about who had, uh, goes to this prominent church, she said, I should listen to the message. And I said, you know what? I'm going to listen to the message so I can do as the Bible tell us and test what I hear. So I tested. I tested. I listened to the whole message. And sure enough, after all this talk about, if you just be quiet and let, and just read the word, but be quiet, God will give you an idea. He'll give you a way to make this thing happen. After all this shenanigans preaching, at the end, he said, you know, but you got to repent. And then slides over into, if you don't know Jesus today, come down to the altar. Well, hold on for a second. What is repentance? What does it mean to repent? And why do we have, why do we have to go through this whole, almost like sales presentation of the gospel first about all the, that God wants to do for me before I have to get to this place of repentance? I mean, if I didn't know any better, I'd be sold too. I want to go down there so I can get that idea. So I can get that blessing, that miracle, that material elevation in my life, that monetary gain. Only the devil can preach that kind of word, period. Nobody else, not not anybody who is walking according to the spirit of the almighty. We have to understand this because some of us, we are challenged with maybe our, our, our children. We have nieces or nephews, people in our community, and we're wondering why can't we reach them? We're, we're not supposed to figure out why we can't reach them if we're sharing the true gospel. People who can't figure out why kids don't want to come it's because they're not sharing the true gospel. They're supposed to be a falling away. They're supposed to be a disobedient child in people's home. That's supposed to happen. Or else we don't, or we serve a God that's a liar. And he, and we all know through scripture and evidence in scripture that he cannot lie. So at the end of the day, it's the deceiver, the father of lies, who, who has tricked us into believing something contrary to the word of God. And I can also tell you this. The Bible says fathers do not uh, provoke your children unto wrath. Obviously, that goes for a parent, too. And here's how we provoke our children unto wrath. When we tell them to do A, they do. They, and yet we do contrary to that. We, we tell them what to do, but we don't practice what we tell them. And they look at us and they say, well, you ain't doing the right thing. Now, does that justify their disobedience? Absolutely not. The Bible says that a child is supposed to obey their parents, period. Honor your mother and father regardless of what your parents do. And I tell my students that all the time. I say, you may not like nothing your parents says, how they say it, and, and, and when they say it. But you still have to be obedient because it's about your soul and not theirs. However, as a parent, it is our responsibility to set the example. It's our responsibility to show them. We can preach it all day long. Obviously, we see it on the pulpit. Mind you, this pastor is a multi-million dollar pastor. He has a huge business. All right. Uh, loved by the world. Goes all over the place. But Jesus said, what? You shall be hated. You should have enemies. If the world loves you, then know that. You're not of him. So end of the day, he's being a hypocrite. You know, he preaches a message. If you told somebody, if he told his members, listen, uh, we are living in the last days. And if you don't stop doing what you're doing, you're going to go to hell. He'll clear out the church. 
I, I know it because I talk to people all the time and I say, look, let me tell you the true gospel. The Holy Spirit will put something on my heart. I'll give it to them and it will be directly related to something that they're dealing with because you can see their, you can see that hamster start spinning in their head and that'd be the last time I see them. But I leave with peace because I was obedient to the will of God rather than obedient to how I felt about the will of God. We got to come out of our comfort zone and we got to speak the truth. God's not going to judge us on how good we felt. He's going to judge us on what we did with what we knew. That's why he says he's going to give everyone an award, their reward for what they did in the flesh, for the time that they spent. He talked about that with the talents, the three talents. What did you do with what I gave you when I went away? And we have to get to that place. Being led by the spirit of God, obviously speaking from a place of love. We can't sit there and just say, look, you're going to, you know, you keep this up and, and that's it. There's no, there's no coming back for you. As long as they're alive, they have a chance to turn around. There's only one sin in the Bible that has no repentance for, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Everything else you can be forgiven for if you turn. It talks about that. Even a murderer can get into heaven. If they repent, they turn from it. So, but we have to be honest. We have to be straightforward. We have to be realistic about the gospel. We can't backwell people into, into the gospel. We can't come over and, and just, oh, we're going to hug and love on you, but you just, we're going to let you walk around as a homosexual. We're going to let you walk around coming up in here smelling like alcohol, but we're not going to tell you the truth about that. We don't turn them away. Jesus Christ never turned a single person away. It was the truth that turned them away. That's why he had disciples who the Bible says they walk with him no more because he told them, look, you're going to have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Right. This is going to be the new covenant. And they was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't handle that. Who can handle that? We're out of here. Right. But the seed was planted. The truth came forth. And that is how people change. That is how we reach the youth and everyone else. Not with our perspective, our viewpoints, or whatever we think is trending in society today and why kids gravitate to that stuff. What kids gravitate towards today is equivalent to what we gravitated towards in our day. And at the end of the day, it's sin. That's It's no different. It didn't change. It's just a different version of sin. So we can't take these uh, things they gratify, uh, you know, try to polish them up, clean them up a little bit and stamp Jesus on it and bring it into the church. That doesn't work. It, it, it don't work like that. And, and that's what I've been sharing to uh, several people. I said, well, you know, we had to, you know, we got to find a more, you know, vibrant or enthusiastic way to reach kids. So, you know, and what do you, you where, where does the limit stop? Where is it drawn at? Now you see all kind of stuff going on in church institutions. I mean, you name it. You unless unless you hear someone say Jesus, you're not even gonna know it's a church institution. You're gonna think they're at a concert or at a club or at a basketball tournament, whatever the case may be. Saying, well, we know we gotta use these opportunities to reach the kid. The opportunity to reach the kid is you walk up to that person and you testify about what Jesus Christ did for you. That's the opportunity, period. And that's how we change. That's how we reach. That's how we allow the seed of the the word of God to get into the hearts of these children. And then God will do his part. And then after that, that's that's on the child. They have to want it after they receive it. They have to desire it. They 
we can't make them or force them. I, it's like I tell my kids all day. My job is to be their parent and to discipline them. However, if you go to hell, that's your choice, not mine's. And I have to be, I have to be upfront and honest about that because at the end of the day, they're in my, they're my responsibility for me to give them the truth of the gospel. No different than back when Elijah or uh, uh, Isaiah was out being on the wall as watchmen or as uh, those who sound the trumpet. He said, if you don't tell them the truth and they stand and go to hell, he said, the blood will be on your hands. Same today. So when we have our interactions with our children or those kids in the community or church, we need to be upfront and honest. If we can't be real, then we need to back up and ask ourselves, why are we not following the gospel? What it is, what is it in our life that we haven't overcome or what it is that we're still holding on to? Is there some unforgiveness of what someone did to us as a child growing up or uh, uh, an interaction that we had back in the day with somebody that we're really offended and that's kind of, you know, disturbed us? We have to get into those things and, and, and dig into our hearts and our past and see what it is that's blocking us from being up front. You know, I wrote a book about my my life, you know, my personal testimony, and I was transparent in there about a relationship I had and the son that I created. And the, and, and the, and the Holy Spirit made it very clear to me. If you don't testify, you need to be honest, brutally honest, because there's no way to read somebody when you have all these blotted out or redacted or, or altered statements. So that way, you know, people can, you can feel like people will accept your testimony a little bit better. I've had more responses from people about things in my book. I, before I wrote it, I was like, I don't know if I want to share that. But people have told me, you know, I'm glad you talked about this. And I'm glad you talked about that. This is a great book for young men and all these different things that I was hearing about stuff that the, the enemy was saying, oh, you better not share that or don't talk about this. People going to look at you funny. They're going to look at you crazy. The testimony, who we are, what Jesus Christ has done for us, we have to share fearlessly with the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If we want to see these kids walking in the truth of the gospel, not the social gospel or the progressive Christianity, not the hip hop gospel or, or, or the Jesus is my boyfriend gospel, but the true gospel. That is what changes people. All right. So I, I want to encourage us to, to, to be bold in this season. The enemy is is taking people out more than ever before in mass numbers. And we who are laborers, though we are few, there's, there, we can still be effective with the light of Christ. There's no way to not be when we're walking in his light, period. You know, when I was talking to these young people during the camps and I told them the urgency, according to what Jesus told Nicodemus, that you have to be born again if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, and we covered that very extensively. And sure enough, three kids got baptized, more wanted to, but unfortunately, there were parents that stood in their way for whatever the reason. You know, they some one of them said they want to rather than go to an actual church and get baptized, all these different things. And, and none of them went and got baptized. But, you know, that's just how the enemy works. There's a falling away. And these parents, you know, the kids will tell me, you know, I, I used to go to church when my grandma took me. So mama don't go anymore. So now they're just out kind of, hey, whatever happens. So when I give them the truth, the uncut truth, you should see the lights that come on in their eyes. And they have tons of questions, so many questions that you think kids will never even ask. You know, uh, one was asking about like spiritual adultery and all these different things that kids will say. 
because God has planted. He said, I will pour out my spirit. I will open up. Uh, I'll give them dreams and visions and all these different things in the last days so that when so when the truth is made known to them, they can walk in it so that because God doesn't want to see a single person go to hell, not even the wicked. So we have a responsibility to do. And I want to encourage everyone to do that. Be fearless. Be bold. Don't be timid. Don't don't think that, oh, they may not like that. Share your story. You'd be surprised that ugly thing in in your life, how much it'll change or it'll draw somebody to the light of Christ. I've seen it happen so many times. Stuff I thought I would never let come out of my mouth. People were like, man, coach, I'm going to get baptized next week. And and, it, and it's like, wow, to God be the glory. I, I didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. This is the season for us to rise up. The world is dark, extremely dark, and it's going to get darker. But the good news is the darker the world gets, the lighter the people of Christ shine. So be encouraged, walk in his truth, do the will of God, be obedient, be obedient, be obedient. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for another truth that you've given us from your word, your unadulterated word. We thank you for keeping us when the enemy tried to destroy us. We thank you for allowing us to walk in your spirit to be able to not only understand the truth, but be empowered to carry that truth out against all odds. We thank you for favor. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for keeping us in a right state of mind, allowing us to want to receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit so we can yield to the truth of your word. We pray that the enemy will be a footstool for us in every area of our life, that we can rise up in your glory, your glory, your knowledge and your grace. We give you the glory and the honor in your name, Jesus, Yeshua. We pray. Amen.